0: Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. Oh, yes! Welcome back to the Tube Talk Podcast presented by VidIQ. I am your host, Viper, the man about tech, executive producer here at the VidIQ. And this week, my voice is the only one you will hear. That's right. Your boy Viper is going solo coast to coast this week because people are busy. Dan, the man is out. He's busy doing his thing. He's going to be out, I think, for the next week or two because he's about to go on vacation. I don't know who allowed this, but uh, yeah. He's going on vacation, so it's just Viper. But uh, this week, I just want to take a few minutes to talk about changes that YouTube is undergoing and have undergone recently here and the community's reaction to those changes. Recently, as we've highlighted before on this podcast, we know that YouTube removed the dislike counter, not the button because the button is still there. But they removed the dislike counter. So now when you go to a YouTube video and you hit thumbs down on it, you will no longer be able to see how many people have hit that same button as you. And that caused a bunch of uproar in the community. But YouTube had their reasons. What those are, we will probably never know. And it's probably a good thing that we don't know. But we won't know because we don't have access to the inner sanctum, the inner workings of why YouTube does what they do. I can tell you that not everybody at YouTube agreed with this move. YouTube liaison Matt Cobalt publicly has stated that he, at first, was not on board with YouTube removing the dislike button. But as he heard more stories from different people and they talked to different creators about it, he kind of began to change his mind on the matter. But he initially did not agree. I just learned earlier this morning that YouTube has removed something else from the platform that is causing a little bit of consternation, but not nearly as much as the removal of the dislike button. The YouTube Creator Academy is no longer its own separate individual entity. There is no longer a section on YouTube dedicated to the Creator Academy. For those of y'all who are not familiar, the Creator Academy was basically a beginning creators like YouTube handbook. They had a particular section on their site where you can click on the Creator Academy and take a bunch of courses and figure out how to grow your channel on YouTube, how the platform works what is expected of you, guidelines, different ways to grow your channel, how to think about doing thumbnails, how to make your videos more inclusive, just a bunch of different things that you might not necessarily think about as a new creator to the platform. The YouTube Academy was there to help us understand the basic functions of the platform. But as of this morning, it is no longer a thing. If you Google YouTube Creator Academy and you click on the link, it can redirect you to any number of things. But one of the things that it redirects to is like a playlist, with a bunch of different videos that were done on the matter, or they have like different channels now inside of YouTube, like a YouTube creator channel or creator insider, but there's no longer a dedicated section on YouTube for the creator Academy. And of course, because this is a change that YouTube has made, people are unhappy. Now, when I first heard about this this morning, my first thought was they probably eliminated the creator Academy because not many people were using it. I mean... I'm sorry, but I've been on YouTube four years and I can probably count on one hand how many times I've heard creators refer to the Creator Academy. But I was also talking to my friend Roberto Blake this morning, and he is of the mindset that a lot of people use the Creator Academy. And I also heard from other people who had the Creator Academy bookmarked. So apparently it was getting some use, but I don't think it was getting enough. And to back my point, I'm reading a tweet here from the YouTube liaison, Matt Koval himself, and reported to somebody else's tweet about them removing the Creator Academy and Matt says, well, in the case of Creator Academy, like many things that get closed down, it was getting lower and lower engagement. Yet there a full team running it, content, engineering, et cetera. So they decided to migrate the material to other more used surfaces. So basically, what that tells me from Matt's response is that my initial theory was correct. Not many people were actually going to the Creator Academy. And as he highlighted, they had an entire team dedicated to running and upkeeping that Creator Academy. And if that resource isn't getting used, why would you then allocate resources to the maintenance of that resource if people aren't using it in large numbers? So... He said that he re the content of the Creator Academy to other areas that are being used more. So that team can now be refocused to do other things that are more important and gain more traction on the platform. But of course, you know, that inflation probably is going to go over a lot of people's heads and they're not going to be happy with YouTube because, oh my God, it's another change that YouTube made, et cetera, et cetera. Listen, people, listen very closely. YouTube is a global, multi-billion dollar conglomerate. Okay, they don't make decisions on a whim. You are talking about hundreds of thousands of creators that use this platform on a daily basis, advertisers who pay millions of dollars to have their content put on the platform. There's a lot of things that YouTube as an upper management organization, they have to think about before they actually put a change into action. They just don't wake up and say, oh, let's remove Creator Academy and remove it the same day. No, it doesn't work that way there are meetings to be held, there are brainstorming to be had, there are cause and effect, risk analysis, all these other fancy terms that I'm not going to get into. But these things are happening behind closed doors, and they're probably happening over a long period of time before the change is ever seen by us end users. You cannot make a change on a scale this massive without thinking it through. It's not smart business. So, Believe me when I tell you, when we're getting upset about whatever changes that YouTube is making on this day, they have thought about the ramifications and the pushback from said change long before we even got to it. Now, sometimes, and it's rare, YouTube will recognize that the creator community as a whole is unhappy with a particular change, and they might come out and apologize. But most of the time, since they've already ran the risk analysis about that change that they want to make to the platform as a whole, They know what's coming before you all even get to it. So they're not going to even acknowledge that because they understand that, okay, this is the reaction that we expected. We can't be surprised that the community is reacting this way because we ran this through our risk analysis. They think about these things at a much higher level than me or you would even bother to take the time to think about. Again, this is the biggest network on planet Earth. YouTube is bigger than any television network I would argue YouTube at this point is probably even bigger than Disney, in my opinion. It definitely is on a scale that's probably more important than Disney. I know there might be some disagreement with me. If you do, just tweet at me. Tweet at VidIQ, Hashtag TubeTalk so I can read it. I'm always up and for uh, discussion about this stuff. But YouTube is the biggest network in the world as far as getting content out to people across the globe. Two billion monthly active users on YouTube. So when they make these changes, they just can't make them on a whim. There has to be some type of meeting. There has to be some strategy. There has to be some risk analysis done. OK, and more importantly than anything else, just understand that one case scenario will not affect a decision that YouTube makes for the platform as a whole. When they remove the dislike button, the most uproar that I saw over that change was people talking about how. Oh my goodness, how about the tutorial video? We won't know whether tutorial video is good or not because we can't see the number of dislikes. No, 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 I'm sorry. That one scenario is not going to move the needle on whether or not YouTube makes that change. You better have about a hundred different scenarios before they will even consider not making that change. When you are hemming and hollering about changes that YouTube makes, a lot of times, and I know this might hurt me, you all, But a lot of times you are in what we call the vocal minority, a small, small group of people that are upset, but you make big noise on the internet about it because you're upset. But you are a small number of people. And realistically, whatever change is being implemented, the positive outcome is greater for a large number of people than it is for the vocal minority. So while your cries are being heard, and trust me, they're being heard, YouTube has to think about the greater number of people at large as far as who their changes affect. So while the vocal minority was talking about not being able to tell whether or not a video is worth their time, there's a larger number of creators on the platform who are the targets of dislike bomb campaigns. And their numbers are far greater than the vocal minority of people that were trying to use the dislike counter as a barometer of whether or not a video is good. There are so many more creators who that button was uh, weaponized against. And I'm pretty sure that YouTube probably took that scenario into account more than people will not be able to determine whether or not a video is good to watch. If you want to know whether a video is good or not to watch, go down into the comments. It will take probably the top two or three comments who will let you know real quick whether or not a video is worth your time. Because enough to know, we are very vocal. And I'm guessing after the removal of the dislike counter, there's going to be a lot more uh, articulation in the YouTube comment session. Trust me when I tell you. <laughs> But I just found it fascinating that I would come on here, since I'm doing a podcast by myself this week, I just found it a fascinating opportunity to come on here and talk about why YouTube and other large corporations like YouTube make the changes that they make and how they come to making these changes. This episode of Tube Talk is brought to you by vidIQ's Competitor's Tool. Checking in on what your competition is doing can be a great way to keep up with trends in your area of expertise. If you have VidIQ installed, you can find this tool on the left hand sidebar within the YouTube studio, and from there you can begin adding channels as your competitors. I like to select a range of channels, from the ones that I find to be the leading voices in my niche all the way down to channels that get similar views to my own. The way that this helps me personally is that I can start to actually detect patterns in the types of videos that my competitors are releasing, which helps me discover some fresh ideas that are already proven to be working. The vidIQ extension works in both Chrome and Firefox browsers, and you can download it for free at vidIQ.com. YouTube made a change. I can't can't forget what it was now, but I think it was a couple of years ago. They had made a change to the verification system, and I forget what the change was. I think YouTube, they either changed the verification requirements or they were taking away verification check marks, something they did. But the community was not having it. They were heated. And enough people were heated to where YouTube actually had to take notice. It was like, all right, my bad, my bad. We're not going to do it. We're going back. We are are reversing court because we understand that this hurts the community and we do not want to hurt the community. So we're reversing court. But it wasn't a vocal minority a couple of years ago when they made that verification change. A lot of people were not happy. And they let YouTube know they were not happy. And enough people let YouTube know that they were not happy to where YouTube had to backtrack the change. But that is a rare instance, and it doesn't happen very often. So I just want to tell you all this today, just so you all are aware. And before you jump down YouTube next about changes that they make, just go outside of yourself. Think about more than you. What does it change mean for people other than you? Because 99% of the time, whatever changes YouTube makes, it won't be about you. It's about something that's happening outside of you. And you have to consider that as well, because YouTube is not just for you. It is for all of us. And we have to be considerate of everybody that's using the platform because ultimately at the end of the day, we all want to have the best YouTube experience possible. Whether we are a YouTube viewer or a YouTube creator, we all deserve the best possible YouTube experience. And YouTube has to make decisions that are the greater good for the most people out of any scenario that they think about. It is not a, oh my God, we're making a change to get at such and such creator, or we're making a change because we want to negatively impact small creators, or the most popular one these days, YouTube hates small creators. No, no, no. It has nothing to do with YouTube hating small creators, okay? Actually, funny story about that. When YouTube removed the dislike counter, there were some notable large creators that were not happy, and they had actual meetings with YouTube because, you know, large creators, they have, they have more assets to actual YouTube employees than small creators, so... A couple of the larger creators actually had meetings with YouTube about this, and YouTube has not made any changes to the dislike counter. So um, if you really think that YouTube doesn't like small creators, well, those big creators cry when I heard by YouTube because YouTube did not revert their changes to the dislike counter. YouTube is thinking about the platform. They're not thinking about individual creators. They're thinking about the platform and how to sustain relevance and make the platform competitive in the long run because YouTube is no longer the only game in town. YouTube has to think about what Twitch is doing. They have to think about what TikTok is doing. They have to think about what Facebook and Instagram are doing. So they have to think about what their competitors are doing. Not to say that any of these platforms are actual competitors to YouTube, but YouTube still has to think about what these other platforms are doing because now other platforms are monetizing creators. Now you're like, Viper, why is that important? Well, if you're a creator, you know why why that's important. But for those of y'all that don't understand the concept, Other platforms are now monetizing creators. For the longest time, y'all, YouTube was the main player in town, the only game in town as far as creators monetizing their content. Not anymore. TikTok is monetizing creators. Instagram is monetizing creators. Facebook is monetizing creators. Even Twitter is monetizing creators. So when I tell you that YouTube is no longer the only game in town, For getting your content monetized, that means that YouTube has to be ever vigilant about what these other platforms are doing so YouTube can remain competitive and keep creators on their platform. Because YouTube understands that the platform would be nothing without the creators who make and put content on YouTube platform. You have to keep the creators happy at large. Now, yes, we have criticized changes that YouTube has made in the past and we thought that some of those changes might be to appease advertisers and some of that might be true. But even more important than that, YouTube has to make sure that the platform remains viable and appeasing for its current creators and, more importantly, its future creators. Because if you poll the youth today and ask them what they want to be when they grow up, you're no longer getting the common answers like doctor, lawyer, astronaut, no, 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 no. When you ask the youth of today what they want to be when they grow up, they are answering YouTuber, content creator. And YouTube knows that they have to know it. So in order for that to continue and YouTube to continue to have their stronghold on being the it place for most creators, they have to continue to make the platform more viable and appeasing for future creators. When I was talking about them removing the dislike counter with friends of mine, people have pointed out to me that, uh, Viper, YouTube is the only platform with a dislike counter. Facebook doesn't have a dislike counter. Twitter doesn't have a dislike counter. TikTok does not have a dislike counter. And I thought that very interesting. Initially, I thought to myself, why does none of these platforms not have any dislike counter affect YouTube? And then I thought about it more. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I can, I can understand that. Because again, on YouTube, there were creators, one of them being a friend of mine, who, were, who was the target of a dislike bomb campaign, where people would go to their videos and essentially pile up the number of dislikes, which could impact creator mental health and things like that other creators on other platforms don't have to deal with that because their dislike button cannot be weaponized against them. So again, to go back to what I was just saying earlier, if YouTube wants to continue to be a place where creators want to come create content on, they better be taking care of things that can be used to be weaponized against creators. The dislike button counter, it had to go. If they want to maintain that competition with other platforms, they have to make YouTube a safer place for creators. And that means removing the dislike counter. It's kind of weird when you think about it, but again, as I invited you all to do earlier in the podcast, you have to think about things that are bigger than you. I myself personally, I could care less about the dislike counter being there or not being there. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect the way I use the platform. But I also understand that I have friends that have been the target of dislike campaigns that have negatively affected their mental health. So because I understand that, I am now more sympathetic to their cause and I'm now more understanding of why YouTube felt like they needed to remove the dislike counter to protect creators. Again, I don't care because it doesn't affect me, but I am not the only person that's making content on YouTube. There are a ton of creators making content on the platform and they need to be protected at all costs. And trust me when I tell you, YouTube ain't going to do whatever they got to do to protect creators at all costs, even at the expense of some luxuries that creators are YouTube or some features that creators might enjoy. But if it could be a detriment to the creators and the platform as a whole, YouTube will eliminate it or they will make a change that makes the platform more safe for creators. And good on YouTube. They have to compete. In the consumer space, we always talk about how competition is a win for consumers. Well, guess what? Competition is a win for content creators because if these platforms are made to compete against each other, that means all of us creators win. Because now these platforms are all competing for your content, your attention, your work. They're all competing. They all want to make the best platform possible so you, the creator, want to come create content for their platform competition is a win for all of us creators no matter what platform you're on and that is not something that you as a creator should be complaining about because that means you have more chances to win and ultimately you have more ways to monetize your content ultimately any large corporation or company worth their thought is going to do things in their best interest to make sure that company stays afloat and that bottom line stays green but in the creator economy a lot of that comes down to making sure your creators are taken care of and making sure that your viewers are having the best viewing experience possible. And the, this is what these platforms have to continue with today. They have to make their platform the best overall experience possible for all involved to keep people coming back to the platform. And as I alluded to earlier, to keep future creators interested in coming and making content for their respective platform. And if you don't believe me, think about how you run your YouTube channel. Think about it. If you want to grow your YouTube channel, are you not going to make the best decisions that impact the largest amount of people on your channel? If you go into your YouTube analytics and you see that you make a video about cooking eggs and those videos about you cooking eggs are getting more views than your videos about cooking squash. What are you as a creator going to do? Are you gonna continue to make videos about cooking squash or are you going to make more videos about cooking eggs? Now, obviously I'm talking about this at a creator level as far as how you will run your YouTube channel, but these are the decisions that these corporations are making at a much, much larger scale. They are making the same decisions that you are making about how to run your channel, because trust me when I tell you, when you start making money on YouTube, you are now a company owner. You are the CEO of your YouTube channel, which means you now have to make decisions which go for the greater good of your audience. You wanna make the decisions that will draw more people to your content and satisfy the people that you already have on the platform, on your channel. You are going to make those data-driven decisions that grow your channel, your company, and YouTube is going to make the data-driven decisions that will grow their brand, their platform. Again, going back to what I said earlier about the removal of the Creator Academy, Matt Cobalt, YouTube liaison, said it himself in a tweet. People weren't using it much, and YouTube was allocating resources. And YouTube felt like those resources could be allocated in better places. So that means that the Creator Academy ultimately had to be re had to be changed. It can no longer be its own individual thing because the resources were being wasted on it because not many people were using it or not enough people were using it. And we as creators are making the same thing. We're making the same decisions about our YouTube channels. If we make a piece of content that doesn't resonate well with the audience, chances are we are not going to continue to make that content. We're going to try something uh, new or we're going to make content that resonates more with the audience. Because ultimately, we want to make content that will get the most amount of you possible. And that is what we're going to do. And that is the correct response. Again, this is about growing your channel. And for YouTube, it's about growing their platform. You are going to make decisions based on the data that you have that will grow your YouTube channel. The reason that you are listening to the very podcast is because you want to grow your YouTube channel. This podcast is literally categorized as a how-to podcast. In this case, how to grow on YouTube. Hello, welcome to Tube Talk. That's why we're here, to grow YouTube channels. And we do that by analyzing the data. And YouTube makes changes to the platform by analyzing the data and realizing and figuring out what needs to be done, what needs to stay, and what needs to change. Data-driven decisions is what vidIQ is all about. And if any creator is all about as well, if you want to grow your channel or your company, your business, whatever, you're going to analyze the data and go where the data takes you because that is just a smart business move. Again, if you disagree with any of this, I would love for you to tweet at me, tweet at vidIQ, but make sure you put the hashtag tube talk, hashtag tube talk in your tweet so I can easily find it because vidIQ gets hundreds of tweets a day. I can't go sifting through all of them, but if you put hashtag Tube Talk in your tweet, I can find it easily, and maybe I'll talk about your tweet on a future episode of Tube Talk. We'll talk about it. I like talking about these things. This is what I do. This is what I do for a living. I I get paid to talk to you all about YouTube. I love YouTube. It's a beautiful platform. And it has made a wonderful opportunity for me and uh, many creators like me, so I understand that even though there might be changes to the YouTube platform that I don't necessarily agree with, those changes are going to be for the betterment of the platform and it will keep YouTube relevant in the long run because YouTube being relevant is a win for anybody that's actually making content on YouTube. And it's a win for the YouTube platform as a whole. Hopefully something I said in the past half an hour has resonated with you all. I appreciate you all listening to another episode of Tube Talk. Next week, we should have somebody back. Like I said, I think Dan is still going to be on vacation, so I'll have to drag one of my other coworkers, or hopefully I'll be able to find a guest by next week. But we should be back to a two-person team for the next episode of the Tube Talk podcast. Appreciate you all listening. Hopefully you all have a good weekend, and I will catch you next week on another episode of Tube Talk presented by Vid. I. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk Brought to you by vidIQ Head over to vidIQ.com Slash Tube Talk For today's show notes and previous episodes Enjoy the rest of your Video making day